Welcome back, everyone, to First and Ten. On today's Draft Talk episode, we're talking about the running backs and receivers. Skill position. Past few years, it's just – it's been – this is the the best it's been, honestly, in all my years watching football. All these dudes coming into the league lately, they've just been booming. And it's no different in this year's class. I mean, for real, for real. Yeah, honestly, it feels like it feels like this skills position always gets like better every single year. I feel like there's never like a true, true down year. And yeah, like I'd receivers say, ever since I'd like say ever a while since ago. twenty I say since twenty fourteen. Yeah. When OBJ and Mike Evans and them when they came out, it's just been Uphill ever since. Like I don't think there's been a bad receiver class since fourteen. I would and definitely say a bad one was like twenty thirteen with Tavon Austin, Kevin White. That one was just all over the place. Tavon Austin had potential. Potential, but it wasn't quite there. Yeah. What year was Percy Harvin? I think he was um wasn't he like Oh, yeah, I think he was out in 2010 or 2011. But, yeah, ever since 2014, it's been, like, just elite talent. Like, you could literally get elite talent in the in late rounds with receivers yeah. nowadays. And that's what's really been making it booming. Like, a lot of the best receivers weren't even first-round picks. Some were seconds. A good, It's a good amount. They were, like, third and fourths. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we should start off with running backs, you know, especially since – I mean, I truly feel like it's probably going first round. And if I had to guess, I would probably put my bets on Najee Harris. I Najee Harris is a lock for me. He's definitely going first. But I have a gut feeling ETN's going first too. It's crazy. I was just watching the uh, semifinal with Clemson and Ohio State in 2019. I was watching. I watched the highlights from that game the other day. ETN straight baller. Like his 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 second gear is teams are going to cover that. It's going to be. I feel like there's going to be a team that gets him in the first because of that afterburner speed. I honestly, he really is like he's a home run hitter every time he touches the ball. Yeah, and his contact balance—he reminds me. If I were to give like a comp, he reminds me of Alvin Kamara, but just faster. Like he, he'll bounce off tackles, rarely gets, rarely gets off the. He rarely goes down on the first hit. And then, like, his acceleration is, like, once he gets past the linebackers into the secondary, he's pretty like, much he's gone. gone. I mean, he's as fast as yeah. most DBs. Sometimes even faster. So, I remember, like, oh, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I remember when I saw, like, when Isaiah Simmons was coming out last year and they had a race. And Simmons yeah. barely beat him. Like, that already lets you know right then and there, like, that's some top-class speed. 
Yeah, and Simmons was basically regarded as like a hybrid with like elite athleticism for a linebacker. And ETN was like stride for stride with him. Pretty much. So if he's doing that and he's running past DBs, it's like once he hits that gear, he ain't he ain't getting caught. So I feel like with that, I feel like a team like the Steelers. I feel like the Steelers would definitely take one of Najee Harris or or um, ETN because like their run game last year was terrible. They, yeah, I mean it's the reason they ain't resigned James Conner, and I mean it's also the reason we have reports of them looking at first or second round pick going to probably to a, a running back for them. Yeah. But, I mean, realistically, like, it's just, like, the way, like, running back selections are in the draft, it's, like, no one's really going to, like, reach for them unless they're going to be, like, that special. So I get it. I get it. So, honestly, it's, like, if I'm the Steelers, you still want this – you still want ETN. I feel like ETN will be there in the second Harris, I for sure know, will be gone in the first. I feel like someone's going to reach ahead and take him. I feel like if ETN does not get past, if he does not get selected in the first, he's going early second. Like, he's like a top 10 pick in the second. So, I feel like if you're a team like the Steelers that needs a running back, like, they – they don't necessarily have to take him in the first because they do have other positions in need. Yeah. But I feel like if you're a team where you, like, you need a running back and you you try to wait until the second, you might miss out on getting the team. But it's like at the same time, like we were saying with receivers with these mid-round picks, these it's a good amount of running backs you can get in mid-round. So even if they do miss out on ETN, I I honestly say a good running back they could target in the second if they do miss out on ETN would probably be Javante Williams from UNC. Like watching him play, he's literally like he's like like a Nick Chubb clone. Like people just bounce off of him. It's funny you mentioned. Him, I was going to mention Michael Carter from UNC. I mean, that that duo was just like, how you have two good running backs coming out the same year? Like, bro. Yeah. Like, either one of them is a is a good back for your team. And then, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Especially in the second round. Maybe even, like, like early third if they stretch out that far. Only because they have running back on their name. That's it. It's the only reason why. Such a crime. I mean, because like <laughs> they're they're really they are really really good, and they even Amari Rogers out of Clemson, like he's basically he. I wouldn't say he's a running back or a receiver. Like he's basically the type of guy where like he does both. So even him, whereas like didn't he bulk up a little bit to play running back? Uh, I think Amari Rod. You talking about from Clemson, right? Yeah. I think he only played – I only saw him play receiver and only really in the slot. 
I think it was because I think he was at the senior bowl and he was like oh, taking from no, Yeah, yeah, he was taking reps at running back. I think the dude you're talking about is um from UCLA, Demetric Felton. Because I if if that's who you're talking about, I know I saw him play running back and receiver at UCLA and like he is like a perfect gadget player. Cause when I was watching him doing senior bowl reps, he was cooking corners and linebackers with ease. Like Okay, yeah, I think that is who I'm thinking about because I saw the same thing. Like he was he's gonna be a gem in like definitely in on day three. Cause having that versatility in the backfield, and then you can split him out wide, and he can cook corners. I mean, like that's a mismatch. Yeah, like I feel like he'll probably grow into a player where you're gonna need to put second best to maybe best corner on them for a running back receiver. <laughs> Pretty much, kind of like what Tavon Austin could have been. What they were like, what teams were trying to do with him. But he was more, you know, receiver than running back, obviously. To get to get a player like that in your offense, that that's really what all teams like want. Like that's basically the new age running back for real. For as me. long as you can catch and run routes, yeah. And then, especially pass protection too. If you can pass protect, you're basically a three down back at this point. Mm-hmm. Especially since, like, I mean, you'll be perfect for literally third down packages. Like, they'll have that running back in first and second down, can't run block, but is a good, you know, between the tackles runner. Then you come in, you know, obviously you have to get the first down, most likely a, a play. I mean, not play, a pass, passing play. You know, might get you the ball, you're going to make some moves and get the first. Like, you, you need that type of arsenal for your offense, someone who can do it all. But these, these, I think this running back class, it's not like superb in a sense where it's like gonna knock your shoes off or anything. But I think it's definitely a solid around for sure. And before we get into these, this stacked receiver class, we gotta talk about Kyle Pitts and how just. A nightmare he is for him lining up at tight. You want to know what's crazy about Kyle Pitts? What? I remember back when the season had first started and how it was just one day. I was just at home chilling and I'm watching college football, right? I think this was like maybe week two or week three. And all I see trending on Twitter is Kyle Pitts. And I'm like, who's Kyle Pitts? And then I just go on ESPN and I'm watching the game. I think it was their game against South Carolina. I'm not sure. All I see is a number 84 jersey just cooking. I mean, whipping it up like Chef Curry himself on the field. And I'm like, bruh, oh, my God. And then it the next week, cooking it up. The next week, cooking it up. I'm like, bruh, 
this man is baby Jesus. And then just the hype throughout the year for Kyle Pitts just kept growing and growing and growing. And then it got to, like, the, the SEC championship game with Florida and Alabama. And he was still cooking. And I'm like, bro, he's doing it against Bama's defense. Granted, Bama's defense this past year wasn't, like, how it usually is. It was definitely a down year for Bama. That, that is true. That is true. But, you know, Bama's defense is always good. Yeah, like, for sure. And it's, like, it's not like his scrubs on that side of the ball. And it's like, I figured he was going to cook. But it's like, he was cooking like he was everyone else in the SEC. He was basically last year's Jamar Chase. Just that guy that just burst onto the scene. Where it's like, nobody can stop him. And he's just cooking everybody. And he's a tight end on this. And honestly, I feel like whoever drafts drafts him should keep him at It's like. Yes. If you keep if you keep him yeah. at tight end, you have a mismatch with these linebackers because that's mostly what he'll draw into coverage. And and then the crazy part about it is you can keep him in. You can go three tight ends, force the defense in a base package, and you can split him out wide. Yeah, and and also it's not like he's a bad run blocker either. So I feel like it would just make the most sense to keep him at tight end. Don't try to convert him into a full time receiver because honestly, I mean, you look at, I mean, he's literally a Darren Waller clone. I guess you could just say maybe more athletic, which is absurd to even think about because Darren Waller is a mutant. Yeah, and I mean, look at all the success he's been having. Just be, he was a wide receiver converting to a tight end at that. Like, it's just easier to, like, have advantages over linebackers. Because, you know, for some reason, like, I mean, as as these draft class keeps happening, we get faster and faster linebackers now. Don't get me wrong. But speed isn't everything when it comes to coverage. <laughs> Sometimes they just get lost in the sauce and they don't know where the fuck to cover. We, we see. And then, speaking of Kyle Pitts, yeah. right? So, with Atlanta, how just about a lot of mock drafts, you'll see Atlanta taking Kyle Pitts in four. Just think about who dominated the NFC playoffs this past year. You you know, it's like Devin White basically took the whole playoffs in his hands. So if you, you if you can get a guy like Kyle Pitts, it's like that's basically the best thing you can do to neutralize someone like Devin White. Yeah, still be. I mean, and you know, in, in Atlanta's case, if they do select them, I mean, you have a good twenty-two personnel where you could go out with Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst as your two tight ends out there. So you have pretty much two vertical threats at tight end, along with Julio, Calvin Ridley, and, you know, Matt Ryan, who isn't, like, he's aging, but he's not terrible. Matt, I, Matt Ryan's still a good QB. 
He's just not the same. Oh thing. no! I mean, if you, if you were to say he's any like way possible close to his MVP season, no, hell no. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like with Atlanta, it's basically what happened with Washington with that 2016, 20 the 2015, 2016 years. The offense can be good, but that defense is just god awful. Yeah, like Atlanta's defense in 2020 was just, bruh, it, it was almost or just as bad as Dallas's. But you know what the crazy thing is? Is like every time, every year that I watch Atlanta, I've always noticed like the defense plays like complete ass once they get down to like two, and then all of a sudden it becomes this elite front. Just for them to finish up at like six and ten or seven and nine, like that shit never fails. <laughs> you know, I have I have noticed that with y'all for like the past two three years. We'll start horrendous, and then it'll be a coaching change, and then boom, y'all y'all just go on a winning streak. Because I still won't forget them like just demolishing the Raiders when the Raiders were a playoff team at the time. Granted, it is only the Raiders, but still, like, literally beat the shit out of them. (laughs) But going back to Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts is definitely somewhat – I feel – and, you know, that's the crazy thing, too, to think of a tight end going five. In the top five. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Even with other tight ends, like great tight ends, I mean, like, Correct me if I'm wrong, but just for as far as I I know, I know I've never seen a tight end even come close to the top five. I think the closest we got was Hawkinson at what? Yeah, he was eight. eight. I think that's the closest. I, I might say like to get potentially picked at four, at four ahead of so many other people, even like a true need you'll get picked as the best player available. That is crazy to think. And that just shows you how special he is. And then the crazy part about it is, like, you talk to, like, well, not talk to, but if you listen, like, any, listen to any draft analyst, and some of them, they're already saying he's, like, Hall of Fame potential type. And it's like, bro, I really hope he you know, gets to that level to where his talent warrant, where his talents have shown so far. Like, I hope he gets to that level in the league. Like, a Kittle or, or a Kelsey or a Darren Waller. Like, I hope it actually comes through. I have faith that he'll turn into a Darren Waller, no doubt. Considering, I mean, same type of frame and same type of, like, playmaker ability. And honestly, him going at four, I don't think – if Atlanta does stay there and take him at four, I feel like it wouldn't be a bad pick, but it won't be, like, the best pick in the world, you know, because, you know, Atlanta still has other needs they need to do. And, you know, in either tra- in trading yeah. back, honestly, would be the best thing. Because I really – I don't really see them going after a quarterback. At first, I did. 
but it's just like mm, I feel like they're kind of stuck with Matt Ryan for the next two years. Same. So it's just like it's like it's no getting out of that. You might as well ride with him and just give him the pieces he needs to at least compete again. Like y'all was just yeah. in the Super Bowl four years ago. Like they can definitely trade. Yeah, they can definitely trade back and then get some defensive players. Yeah, I would say for them, maybe a best case scenario would probably to be to I would say trade back maybe around that mid range of the first if they can. And then probably like I was if if available, I would honestly take Michael Parsons, pair him up with Deion Jones. I was I was gonna say they can get a corner like JC I think JC Horn is gone. Be like with the whole NFC East trio picks, he's definitely going to want either, either or. Uh no, oh. I can clearly see it. And he's probably he's probably he's probably going to Philly because Dallas is probably taking certain. Yeah, like uh, I can honestly imagine Dallas because Dallas is at a time, right? Yeah. So, like, I can easily think Dallas, corner, probably Sertan or Horn, whoever they prefer more. Giants, definitely a receiver. <laughs> you think Giants Even with the Galladay signing, I don't think that changes their mind. Because even though the- – Giants got a no, don't give no Giants. I honestly see it though. And the main reason it's already it's already bad enough. Dallas lucked into CD Land last year. I cannot have the Giants getting the or even Waddle. Even bringing Waddle to NFC East would be dangerous. Bruh, please stop, stop, stop. I can't because I think it's pretty clear, you know, Jamar Chase is going, he's gonna be the first receiver gone. I think his 2019 tape is enough for teams to pick him over everyone else. The inner casual in me wants to see Jamar Chase and Sensi. And honestly, so bad. it might happen. But the actual, <laughs> I know, but the actual NFL in me wants Sensi to take Penesul. It would be so, it would be so smart for them to do that, but I don't think they're going to be smart. <laughs> I mean, we see this every year, though. People, they prioritize other needs, you know? And even though, like, it, it's just hard. It's hard to, like, knock off the best player available for, like, you know, like, no one wants to pick offensive linemen. We all know this. Like, even though people need it. You know how fun the league would be if Jamar Chase got to Sensi? And then Devontae Smith for a while went to Miami. I can honestly see those situations happening. It just depends. I can too, but I just want those teams to be smart and get linemen. We say that. I mean, it happens every year. I mean. I know because if the Bengals take Sewell, the Dolphins could take Rayshon Slater, and they could really solidify the O-line. For Tua, because he's the type of QB where he really thrives in the. The pocket. Dolphins have two first round picks, right? And, 
So yeah, honestly, I could I could see them going either receiver with pick six, and then with their second first round pick, probably Slater if he slides that far, which is a good chance. Depending on where they pick it, I don't really remember the specific pick, but yeah. Isn't their second first rounder in the twenty? I mean, it might be before that. It is their their first their first pick. So they have the six and the eighteen. All right, so six. They could definitely get either Waddle or Smith. And then 18. If they get lucky enough, they could probably get Darisol out of VTech. Yeah. That mm, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. That's a that's a good combination. Now now I'm really hoping they take either Waddle or Smith with that. Second. I guess that's also this receiver class is loaded. But like we said earlier, I mean, it, this just happens every single year. Like these receivers just become more and more crazy good. Bruh, it's wild. It's receivers like Rashad Bateman and Kendarius Tony, and 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 Elijah Moore. won't even go first round. Won't even go first round. Well, probably. Honestly, we'll see. We'll see receivers start to fly in the second, and that's how it's, that's how it usually is. Like first round, it's a good amount. It's crazy. It's crazy <laughs> to think about it. Michael uh, Michael Pittman, he didn't even nope. go first round last year. Ayuk didn't even go first round last year. No, Ayuk was first round. LaVisca Chenault. Yeah, he was a late he first, was first round. I remember that. Oh, all right. San Francisco's smart. But, I mean, the point still stands, though. I mean, Chenault, not a first round last year. Like, we're just starting to see the trend of, like, good wide receiver twos upside of wide receiver ones going in these later rounds. Brad, just think about it. Terry McLaurin went third, third rounder. Round. DK Metcalf was a, a, almost a damn near a third rounder. He was a late second, a late second. Bro, they was talking. They was talking about how Terry McLaurin was a special teams player. I mean, he wasn't first. He was just a gunner. <laughs> I know. I'm saying, but that's really crazy to think about because that was like his basically his major selling point on his scouting report. Was that he was a special teams ace? But no one was gonna draft this goddamn special team piece in the third round. They didn't see something more. That's and that's bro, and that's what I'm saying. He literally came into training camp and turned into wide receiver one, and then literally didn't even play in the preseason because he got hurt. So we had to wait until literal week one. Just for him to just torch Philly's secondary and then just torch everyone else. Definitely his proved his worth. Top corners on a week to week basis as the only 
target on the team as a rookie. DK Metcalf is basically a top 10, top 12 receiver already in year two. Him and AJ, AJ Brown. Brown is something special. And then, AJ Brown is a monster. He is a monster. AJ Brown reminds me of Des Bryant. Yeah. I'd say just a little bit I faster. Would, I would, yeah, faster, definitely. Like everything AJ Brown does is like, it's a home run. And he's always coming up with clutch catches. What game was it last? You talking about that deep bomb to set him up for field goal range? I think. Yeah. Was that was that was against? The uh, I think so. Either the Colts or Texans. I know it was a, a division I, game. Yeah, I remember watching that play live, and all I could think to myself was, "That really just happened." Like, what the fuck just happened? Like, what? I'm thinking the game is over. Yeah. And then that happens. And I'm mind like, you, apparently he was playing hurt all the last year. Like, I mean, and granted, all players, you know, most likely play hurt, but still, like, to be in for it to be into like a, a leg injury and you're a receiver and to play through it. That's, I mean, that's some crazy shit. Yeah. Hey, side question: you you think some you think some of these dudes be lying no. when they say that, bro? <laughs> I mean, what do they have to lie for? There, there, there's there's a part of me that be thinking not that they lie. They stretching it. They over exaggerating. I don't know because I swear it's every year. Oh, I pull I play with a torn labrum. Oh. I, I dislocated my shoulder like four times. I played with a torn MCL. I played the with main a reason I believe cap. all that is because it's like on it's like I believe it. I definitely believe it, especially with when dudes be you like like it be like them little them uh shows where like they'll guest star someone like the the new the podcast yeah. that athletes be having now. We're like they'll they'll be like, Yeah, but I remember before the game I did this or I did that to get ready for the game. Oh I remember Santana Moss talking about he, he had to take a shot before a game like because of a sprained ankle. Where it's like he couldn't even walk. So I believe it when they say they be playing with these crazy injuries. I don't know, man. It'd be it'd be O D. I got a question for you. Who you think the best receiver out of this class? It, I really wish Jamar Chase. I, I feel like that's the only thing that like sucks. But his twenty nineteen was so special though. Like I I I I I, I get why he opted out. So it's like I can't hold it against him. But I just I really wish. I feel like out. I would I would probably be able to put. The argument for Chase because, like, looking back at 2019, like, the numbers he put up for being not even just the numbers he put up, the deep. I mean, that too, but I'm saying, like, the numbers he did 
is crazy, especially having like Justin Jefferson on the other side. At least with like Devontae Smith this past mm-hmm. season, you know, Waddle was hurt and you know, Devontae Smith was number one, like sticking through for the rest of the season. Uh even though yeah, he still Yeah. Damn, for for Jamar Chase to have Justin Jefferson and he's he getting the number one corners and he's still cooking them deep. Everybody, like I, I just don't know. <laughs> Man, Devon Chase, man, that, bro, <laughs> yo, it was that one catch he had where it was the one-handed catch he had. I forgot who. I think that was, that game was against oh, LSU, bro. His game against LSU, he he was embarrassing the niggas. I ain't gonna hold you. Like it was, I know that that had to have been a revenge game for Bama because Devontae Smith did not have to do them. He did do a job like wrong. That that one handed catch was was special because he basically palmed it. And then the crazy part about it, the it's not even that he palmed it; it's how he palmed it. He, his hand wasn't horizontal. His hand was vertical. You know how hard it is to palm a football when your hand is vertical? And not only are you palming it, you, you're high ball, you're high pointing it in between like two people while yeah, running. that is some crazy shit right there. Bruh. It's route running so smooth. So smooth. Some hit Alabama just. I, don't I know think they are truly wide receiver. You, I I don't really think it's an argument. I they know are. people try to say like Clemson, LSU, but just looking at Bama's track history, it's just fucking ridiculous, bro. Especially the past two to three years. Like you got Devontae Smith and Waddle coming out this year. You just had Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs come out last year. And even, like, going before, I mean, you had people like Calvin Ridley get drafted and leave. Coop, Julio, like, those are all Pro Bowl receivers, elite receiver number ones. Calvin Ridley. I mean, Calvin Ridley already proved he was a number one last year with Julio being out a lot of the time. I mean, I'm talking about like Calvary. Oh, oh, yeah, like definitely. A, a I pro type receiver. Once Julio, like he's up next. Whatever happens with him in the future with Atlanta, because I don't think he'll end his career like there. Honestly, as sad as that, right. I'm about to say I do too. I hope he does. <laughs> I, hope he does. I'm, I do. I do not need a Randy Moss. Situation. Yeah, that shit would fucking Julio. suck. But I mean, we. I, I I can't see Julio in a different jersey. It's it's, it's already bad enough. I've had to see, but that Manny actually worked out though. <laughs> and Brady both of those worked out. I, Brady with the Bucks. <laughs> but I I get your point though. It's already bad. Enough. Yeah, it's already bad enough. I've and had to see Adrian Peterson in Adrian a Cardinals shirt. A lot of fucking jerseys lately. Like it's like. I, I can't see Julio on a different jersey. 
that's when it's like life life just would not be striking if I saw Julio on the field. Definitely I could see I could see three receivers going top ten. Depending on how everything how everything shakes through. Top ten. Just think about what you I mean, but like who's in who's in the top ten that wouldn't consider looking at either of the like the tree the top trio between Chase, Devontae Smith, and Waddle. No, I'm saying Oh, okay. I'm agreeing with you. Where it's like that's what I mean. But it's like think about what you just said. Three receivers in the top ten. That's blue chip. Oh yeah, and honestly, with Waddle, even though having you know being hurt for the season, I knew that wasn't going to affect his draft stock at all. I mean, he's literally a next Tyreek Hill, (laughs) unless you want to consider you know Rondell Moore the next Tyreek Hill. Maybe it's crazy. A lot of people come Tyreek. Not, um, I mean, I can see. I think they're about the same size, and you know, obviously the speed is there too. I can see it. I just want to see how Waddle's route right. Is. Considering you know, at, you know, at first he was like a return specialist who would come on in, kind of like, kind of like a Devin Hester. So I feel like we get to see a little bit more of him, like, actually, you know, instead of running vertically, actually seeing more run. Then, you know, we'll really see his work. But, I mean, I think he'll develop into that. But, yeah, three three receivers in the top ten. I feel like at five and six with Cincy and Miami, that's back-to-back receivers. And whatever trades take place between – Seven and ten. One of them. One of those teams. If no trades happen, one of those teams is getting a receiver. And then just to think about it, you say three three receivers in the top ten. Then you add Kyle Pitts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's an offense galore, bro. And then. You're probably going to have three QBs go in the top yeah, ten. Picks one, one, two, three is literally QBs. <laughs> and then it's crazy because four, five, yep. six might be receivers. Well, I mean, you're still a receiver esque. Close enough. I'm still of the mindset where I want to see Atlanta take Jamar Chase. Man, the dice. only reason I don't see that is because I mean, well, I don't know. That's a lot. You look, that means you literally have three number one receivers on your team. And I mean, you. And, and, and I you know what? That could so that could work more. because I feel like. Calvin really would definitely have like an elite role in the slot. Cause he already be cooking people. And it's just like to put him in a slot with his route running. Like it's it's so terrible to be a slot corner in the NFL these days. Like you gotta have to tackle running back. 
you got to cover usually people's best route runners in the middle of the fucking field by yourself. Like, that, I always thought being on the outside was bad. I mean, it still is bad. But being an inside corner is definitely not fun. <laughs> so, honestly, that's a, that's a real, like, curveball. I I don't I don't I don't think it will happen though. I said it last. I said it last episode. You basically get Jamar Chase for a guaranteed five years. Especially with him already be there for the next five years. And then with that rookie contract, you can re-sign Calvin Ridley. Sheesh. I'm telling you. Hey, you know what? That's that's gonna be my drive bold prediction. Atlanta's taking Atlanta's taking Jamar Chase in So that's if that if that were bold. if that is to be the case, you know, like say that does happen, who do you think since you end up taking? <laughs> do you think they would still go, <laughs> you know, to tackle from Oregon? Or do you think maybe they go Kyle Pitts? Add to that offense. Oh, I think that would be real inter- interesting, right there. Like I know it's not Jamar Chase, but honestly, Cincy is pretty. They have, I would say, some pretty good depth at receiver. You got Boyd, Higgins, and Calpitts. Joe Burrow. Alongside I mean, like, Joe offense line still trash, but hey, <laughs> I mean, who <laughs> really goes in like? A full class of linemen. Now, here, here's here's what Cincy could do. Because luckily for them this year, you can get a good offensive yeah. lineman later in the draft. But here's what they could do. They could go pits at five if Jamar Chase goes four. And then trade back into the first and get someone like Derisov. Or they can get Vera Tucker from from uh, USC, the guard tackle. And then there's also a tackle from Notre Dame. And basically, I was, I think, I was, I was watching NFL Network, there was interviewing him, right? And basically, there was like, here's like a list of notable linemen from Notre Dame for the past few years. We got Zach Martin, Quinn Nelson, Ryan Kelly. No, no, Ryan Kelly with the Bama. It was, yeah, Quinn Nelson, Zach Martin. Yeah. Ronnie Stanley. There we go. Yeah. And it was a couple other guys. And then basically, it was just talking about how, you know, to uphold, I guess, you know, the legacy slash continuation of just basically all pro linemen coming out of Notre Dame. So, and then he was basically Notre Dame's best tackle this past year, and I would say the year before, because I believe I saw that it said Mm -hmm. first team All-American, ACC. So, you know, 
dude got talent. So I feel like they could either take him in the second or they could trade back into the first and get him. Now it's like what I was saying with Miami. You got a skilled guy early, and you got your lineman late. And the lineman you got could potentially be as good as who you could have gotten early just because. Yeah, I think it all comes down to, you know, prioritizing. Which one do you prioritize? Best player available or specific need? Yeah, don't get me wrong. Penny Sewell, he's an all-pro. He's basically what... What's his name? What's his name? What's his name? What was the dude's name that was a rookie for the Buccaneers? Shoot, I year? forgot his name too. <laughs> but I wish I could remember. But basically, Penny Soul could be this year's him. Where it's like just out the gate. He's one of the Tristan Worst. There not we go. Not just one of the best rookie tackles. One of them. There we go. Tristan Wirfs, yes. Tristan Wirfs was him and Makai Beckman. And the, the crazy thing one. about it, both Dominant. of them outside of the top 10. 11 and like what? 12 or 13 for Wirfs. Like those yeah. are A-plus picks at, you know, in a position where you use, it's harder to get those A-pluses in the middle of the first round. And and then with the type of league we have where all these pass rushes are basically Greek gods, to have Tristan Wirfs be an A-plus pick at right tackle is like how Lane Johnson was slash still kind of is for Philly. It's like right tackle is becoming just as important Especially as since like nowadays. I feel like what a lot and of teams they, do, they'll put their best pass rush on that right side because usually the, the right side of the offensive line is your weaker side because most QBs, you know, are right-handed. And, I mean, we, we've seen that from yeah. some – like, if you have a dominant right tackle and a pretty decent left tackle, it's like teams usually do good, kind of like the Eagles because, I mean, Lane Johnson studded right tackle, left tackle – it's always been someone who's been pretty okay. And, you know, they, they worked well with that. And then more times than not, a dominant right tackle could more likely than not shift over the left. It's not saying that it's easy, but... And, I mean, that's what's trying to happen. You got skill, you know, you got skill. The tackle out of Baltimore who requested to trade because he wants to go play left tackle somewhere else. Yeah. He's the perfect example. Definitely for Ronnie Stanley, who we literally just mentioned as an all-pro town out of Notre Dame and didn't miss a beat at left tackle. Because, I mean, it's like, I get it. It's a tad bit different, but, you know, it's the same principles. Just you're on a different side. It just depends on what how comfortable you are opening up, like which side is better yeah. to you. Yeah. But also looking back at this draft, I honestly think I feel like the first round is gonna finish up. I could I could say like seven receivers sneaking in first round. In the first, yeah. 
In the first, hold up, Chase Waddle. I say Bateman is a. That's three. I feel like Bateman is gonna get selected probably first. I feel like I can potentially see Elijah Moore sneaking in there. Because, you know, it, it, like, it just all depends on who you fall in love with. I mean, we've it's, we've seen it so many times. Like, if you fall in love with a player, you're going to take them whether you think – whether other teams think it's a reach or not. And even analysts. I mean, no one gives a shit about that. <laughs> so, I would probably say Bateman, maybe Elijah Moore, and maybe – the other receiver from LSU, Terrence Marshall. Terrence Marshall, I feel like he's going second. You think maybe like a more of a mid-second instead of an early? It, it, I, it, it's like a it's like a it depends thing. Cause like it's some teams that in the second were. It could be a player available that matches a need and their best player. And, like, they could be over Terrace Marshall. So, he might not go early second. But right. I, he's definitely not making it past mid-second. Oh, man. All I can really, you know, start to close with is just this receiver, this, this receiver class is, is another great one. Loaded. And I mean, being fans of Washington, it's like, it's so hard to know who you really want. Like, with this week, this being right. a week away, I don't know if I want a linebacker, a receiver, right. a quarterback in the first round. I want, I want Rashad Bateman so bad. But then, I also want Elijah Moore so bad. But, but I feel like I we can snag want, Elijah Moore later on. I Rondell Moore so bad. Oh, sh- didn't even forgot to mention him, <laughs> bro. But see, well, there you go. That there would be like my seven receivers potentially. I'm telling you now, Rondell, Rondell Moore. He is. He reminds me of Percy Harvin. He is a Percy Harvin clone, down to the T. Just a lot smaller. I'm telling y'all now, when Rondell Moore hits the league, it's over, bro. I'm, I I remember seeing watching him play when he was a freshman. I mean, he's that that's just he's just crazy athletic cuz I remember from the pro day, I mean, of over a 40-inch vert and he's 5'7". That's shorter than me. I can't even jump that fucking high. Bro. I'm telling y'all now, Rondell Moore is going to be a star. Him and Elijah Moore are both going to be stars. Ole Miss coming out with another receiver. I mean, we are. I will say though, we are seeing like the trend of like these schools just keep producing like these great talent at their same positions. Because I mean, Ole Miss, DK, and AJ Brown. I think I think SEC just in general is just going stupid with these receivers. Yeah, definitely. They're they're going. It's it's. I don't know what's going on down south, but these these receivers are getting ridiculous. 
it's, it's all is is the dudes that are from Texas and Georgia and and Florida too. But yeah, I mean, ah oh man, draft week away. We don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> the 19th. Ten, ten more days. Ten more days. We're basically a week and a half away. Yeah. Honestly, this is one of the most anticipated draft nights for me. I really don't know what's going to happen. I love draft nights like this, where it's like it's honestly going to be fun. You really don't know who's going to go where. Like Even with these mocks, it's like, these, I don't. I, I'm about to say. I feel like only two picks are set in stone in like the first round. That's literally that's one and two. Yeah, that's it. Just like last year. Yeah, but it's like I think with this year is like last year had talent. Don't get me wrong, but this year is like it's just talent all over the place, and it's like not only is there talent all over the place. It's potential for teams to pass up one blue chip player for another blue chip player, but blue chip player A is a position of need, while blue chip player B is just the sexy pick, like how we were saying with these fucking receivers. Because 10 times out of 10, since should t- should take Penn and Sewell. But then you got niggas like Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith available. And you just sit there and you think to yourself, hmm. Like, should I? <laughs> yeah, let me tell Goodell I'm drafting Jamar Chase. Like, you, you feel me? Atlanta, they should not draft the offensive player. They should draft someone for that defense. But then you have Kyle Pitts staring you right in your face, saying, hi, hello, my name is Kyle. I say, and I mean, you can really argue that this draft is better offensively more than defensively because there isn't someone who stands out like a Chase Young last year yeah. who's going to go like as a definite top five. Okuda. You like, said what? I said, even like Okuda. Okuda was like his hype was through the roof last year. Thanks to my Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, he didn't really, like, come out there and, like, shine. Not saying that he can't turn into something great, but he didn't really prove to be, like, the number three pick last year. Yeah, kind of sucks. I hope he I hope he does live up to the hype because this hype was intense. Yeah, definitely. But that's all I got to really say. I mean, I'm – as we just keep getting closer and closer, I just keep getting more and more excited because it's like yeah. watching that jump live and after picks one and two happen, I mean, like... All bets are off. I mean, I still feel like it's no way in hell. I believe the 49ers traded up to three just to draft Mac uh, Jones. The more, the more these damn analysts talk, bro, the more I believe they're going Mac Jones at three, and I don't want to believe it. The one I could be okay with is Trey Lance. If you want Trey Lance at three, okay. But if you want fucking Mac Jones at three when you could have got him at the pick you had, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> 
That's my only reason why I'm mad. Like, now it's not even a knock on Mac Jones. It's literally just the fact that, like, they could have got him at 12 if they wanted him. Facts. Well, I think that concludes this week's episode. Make sure you turn on the notification and know when we post. We post every week. This is a weekly show. Yes, sir. Anything else you had to say to close out? Washington. Pick 19. Pick 10. Pick 12. Pick 8. Pick 7. I don't care. All I ask is that you get a blue chip player that will be a part of this team for the next five to eight years or ten years. Please, that's all I ask. Besides that, I don't got nothing else to say. Well, I guess we'll be seeing y'all next time. Thank y'all for tuning in and listening and chatting with us. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Y'all be easy. And we gone just like that.